And uh, let me ask you a, a question that has nothing to do with, with prosperity, but about, about love. Something I think all of us desire, all of us want, all of us need in our life. What is one of the scariest things about love? You don't have to say it out loud, but just think about it. What, what is one of the, the scariest things about love? Uh, I think, and, and I don't know if it's the scariest thing about love, but it's, it's up there, uh, re- rejection. Like putting yourself out to someone, like to someone, showing someone love and it not being reciprocated. Um, the fear of that, and it's happened in people's, it happens in people's lives. Um, but the fear of that often keeps us from relationship. It often keeps us from love. And the, the paradox is like, is that we all want it. We all need it. Yet uh, there's something uh, that we have to, to do to get it, and that is risk. Like there's a, it, you're, and if you don't, you're not going to, like you're not going to necessarily experience it. In your life or with the person, uh, you know, that you, that you love or, you know, it's, there's a paradox there that um, you sort of have to jump, take a risk by faith, like love, uh, and be, so that you're open to love. And the, the idea of this series is that the same is true when it comes to prosperity, and I, let me just take a step back because I think for some people, uh, they get a little nervous. Some maybe turn, like, who are watching online turn it off because they go, I go into church and whenever it's, when we talk about prosperity or money or those things, um, I feel uncomfortable. But let me, like, before you do that, let me just ask you this. How many of you, like, the, the burden in your life, one of them, or maybe the one that's, that's burdening you the most, is around money. How many of you just problems or strife in relationships is ultimately rooted in money? Or how many, I mean, how many of us, like, are, think about, I mean, do you think about money every day in some context? Probably. So if it's a major root of potentially like our burdens or our problems, and, and it, it certainly is something that we think about and interact every single day, should we not talk about it in the church? And what if maybe there's good news? And there is, and that's before you shut down. My promise to you in, over the next three weeks is I'm not going to shame you into writing a check to the church. I'm not even going to ask you to, to give. What I want to share with you is the good news that God gives us around prosperity, providence, provision, and money. So that maybe it's something that becomes less of a burden. Maybe it, it produces some changes in you. The Spirit 
produces some changes in you where you start to look at what you have and interact with what you have differently in a more life-giving and a more freeing way. But the paradox here is you've got to step out into the unknown. You're going to have to take a risk. You might have to get a little uncomfortable. And much like love requires that if you want to experience it, if we want to experience God's provision and his prosperity, we're going to have to step out into the unknown. We're going to have to take a risk. We're going to have to maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable, but is it not worth it? When you take a risk on love and you experience love, I think we all would say yes. And the same is true about what God wants to do through providing for us and uh, giving us blessing. So that's what we're going to look at uh, the next three weeks together. And I want to uh, start with this saying, and that is that God wants to bless you. And uh, I, I think for a long time as a Christian, let me just be honest, uh, I got spooked like around that idea because um, I had heard so much about, about like prosperity gospel, which is sort of this, this gospel that, it, you know, you give to get. And the more you give, the more God will bless you. And if you give a lot of money, you'll be healthier. If you give a lot of money, your kids will turn out better. If you get a lot of money... Uh, you know, you're going to get a lot. Maybe investments will work out in your favor. And sadly, like, there has been a, a real gross use of prosperity in the church, manipulated from the top pastors to get people to give with the promise that they're going to prosper. Um, but at the end of the day, it's more about sort of the selfishness of the person asking than it is the, the benefit or the blessing of the people that are, are, are giving. But for a long time, I just remember being like, this is before I was a pastor, like in the church, just like being kind of spooked with, with the idea of God wanting to bless me because it felt wrong because of the prosperity gospel. And yet when you dig into the Bible, you cannot get away from the fact that what the Bible actually says is that God not only wants to provide for you, but he wants to bless you. And it, it, it's not always money. Sometimes it will be. He's going to provide for you materially. But often through the prosperity comes in a variety of different ways. But the reality is God is a giver of gifts and blessing. And he wants to bless you. And the, the, the sort of classic text that you might interact with in church around giving is the text in Malachi. And I want to read it for you because I want to show you something different. I don't want to show you what we often use, this, what can often be used with this text. Um, you know, like uh, you're robbing from God. And you shouldn't do that, and you're a sinner. I actually want to show you the love and grace in this text. This is not about the shaming of God and, and your money. It is about the love of God and the grace of God in your life. So this is, uh, this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi, and he's speaking to the people of God, the Israelites, and they are not obeying the commands of God. Primarily, they are not tithing. 
And if you've heard that word or haven't heard that word, you know, there was God told the people, look, I want a certain percentage of what you make. 10%, the first 10 goes to me and you get the rest. And that 10% is used for the temple, it's used for the the church, it's used for the ministry, and uh, that was what God required, and the people have stopped giving the tithe. They've stopped giving the 10%, and God responds, and he says this, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. It's a good way to start, and I'm not going to destroy you. (laughs) Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. We see grace right away. This has been going on a long time, and it's not just the, the lack of tithing. It is the Israelite stubbornness, their sinfulness, and their continual sort of behavior of turning their back on God and turning to other things and turning to other gods. And they are guilty, and God could have certainly wiped them off the face of the planet. And grace shows up right here. He goes, look, even your ancestors, it's just, this is your story, guys. Like, you keep turning your back on me. You keep betraying me. But he said, but, but the grace is, he has not destroyed them yet. His faithful love for them is that he has not turned his back on them. And he said, look, if you will just return to me, I will return to you. I mean, how many, like, think of a relationship where a person has really hurt you, really betrayed you. I don't know if you're like me, but I just, I'm like, done. And don't hear me that you're not supposed to set boundaries in relationships or that that relationships can't end, because I'm not saying that. But I think it's really easy, like, when someone sort of hurts me, my natural instinct is, fine, I don't, I am done with you. I mean, how often do we turn our back? And, and yet here's God who over and over and over and over again, we have rebelled against him. We have sinned against him. You know the imagery that the prophets use? It's that of adultery. That's how painful it is on God. Like, that is the level of betrayal that we're talking about here. Like, if your spouse or your significant other sleeps with another person, That is a betrayal that goes to the deepest part of our hearts. And the reason that the prophets use this language and God himself uses this language is he's saying, look, it's like, I'm just not a punching bag like that you can continue to just punch over and over again and, and, and it doesn't hurt. He's trying to get us to understand like when you rebel against me, when you turn to other gods, when you disobey, when you sin, like it pains me. Think about the pain that you maybe have experienced when someone's cheated on you or, you know, rebelled against you or turned their back on you. Like, it is like that. Like, it it hurts, you guys, in essence, what God is saying. And yet, he is faithful, and he says at the beginning of the text, I'm not going to change. I have made these promises I mean, to Abraham, I said, you will be the father of a nation who will, will birth a family, a people, a nation who will, who will be a blessing to all peoples, all generations. 
and I'm, I am not giving up on that promise, despite your rebellion against me. And he goes, if you would come back to me and just turn back to me, my back will not be to you. If you were willing to turn back to me, you will see, you will see me face to face. We see grace right away, love, faithful love, a rugged, committed love that at times is difficult, but God is saying, I refuse to give up on you. That's the heart of the text. Let's keep going. But you ask, how are we to return? Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? It's interesting because it goes, how do we return? Like, what do, what do you want us to do? And it's interesting that God brings up money, possessions. And I, I don't wonder, I don't think that's probably by accident. I mean, you could say, oh, that's the number one thing that's in the way of the people. And it, it might be, but uh, the reality is, and money is talked about so often in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, because of the influence and the power that it has. Because of the fact that it can create all sorts of problems, because of the fact that we think about it every single day, and we buy into the idea that the more that we have, the happier we will be. The more that I have, the safer I will be. It is a direct competitor to God himself. Because God wants to be your provider. God wants to be your safety God wants to be your inheritance. That is what he wants to be in your life. But money is the one thing that can replace, all, replace him in those areas. And it's almost like God's like, you're going to have to start with the, with, with the money stuff. Because it has such control over you. And so they go, well, okay, we're robbing you, God. How? How is it that we are robbing you. And so there's this just conversation between the people and, and God. And he goes, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that they may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. So let me pause for a second here and um, you know, one of the ways that we may break down this text, and you may have heard a sermon on it before, is like, and I've said it before, when we talk about the fact that the people are robbing God, we're, we're recognizing that everything belongs to God, okay? I, I'm not going to go there in, uh, in, in this morning. I want to I show you, like, there's this almost provoking that God's doing when he's, he's like, test, I dare you. I dare you to bring me the tithe. I, I dare you to, to bring your money. I dare you to cut a check. And you go, okay, why is he doing, like, why is he doing that? Why is he provoking them? It's almost like God is saying, guys, I just want you to open your hands so that I can open mine. And I, like, he's almost aggressively provoking it because he so badly wants to, like, provide for you and bless you. This is, I mean, this is grace. 
He says, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He doesn't say, look, you, okay, if I rob you, if I were to rob you later today of whatever, money, your car, your house, what are your, what do you expect, what are your expectations of what should happen to me? Arrested, right? You, and then you would want your stuff back, right? Like, you would want me, you would want justice, you would want me to pay the penalty. You would want your stuff back. And is it not right for God in, in us, in, in the people robbing him, for him to, to bring justice down on the people? Is that, like, is that not the right thing to do? They've disobeyed, they've stolen. Bring judgment down on the people. And here again, we see the gospel. He doesn't come in saying, okay, guys, you've robbed for me. You've kept what I've asked. And I'm going to, I'm going to destroy you. He provides them an opportunity. He says, look. If you would just be willing to trust me. If you would just be willing to let me be God in your life. If you'd be willing to, to, to give and trust me with your stuff. It's not that God then says, you know what? Okay. We're even. He says, I will pour blessing upon you. Not, okay, we'll just start over, we're even, or give me what you robbed for me, and then you're going to jail. He doesn't say any of that sort of disciplinary language. It's come, turn back to me, give, trust me, and I will bless you. See if I don't bless you. How many of us miss out on the blessing of God because we're not letting him be our provider? We're not, we're not, we're not a, like willing to trust that if I give, God's going to take care of me. Because what is, what is the biggest thing that gets in the way of giving? And I'm, gonna I'm talking about money here. What, 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 it's, it's fear that we're not going to have enough. If I give, like, am I going to have enough to, you know, pay the bills? If I give, am I going to have enough to go on the vacations that will make me happy? If I give, you know, we wouldn't be able to get this or that. Or if I give, I might not have enough for later in life, which, by the way, isn't promised anyways, you know. 
But the, what we've been told is the more money you have, the more happy you will be. The more money you have, the more safer you'll be. The more money you'll have, the more comfortable you'll be. It all boils down to happiness and security. And that's where money can become our God because we believe that it will give us those things. And yet, God says, if that's the way you live and interact with your stuff and your money, you will miss out on my blessings. Some of the coolest God stories for me in my life have been when I or me and my wife, we took risks financially. It was when I took the thing that I might like hold most tight, my money, and I opened my hands and I said, God, I'm going to trust you. I mean, do you believe the text? Like, if you're willing to give, do you really believe God's going to not only take care of you, but like bless you? If we did believe that, we would all be giving. And I can tell you, I'm writing a thesis on money in the New Testament, and there's a whole chapter that I wrote about current even like giving within evangelicalism in the United States, and the stats are sadly bleak, very, very bleak. And I'm not going to just fire all that out to bring shame, but the reality is that I wonder if we in America, Christians in the United States, really believe this text. Because if we did, would we not be like looking for opportunity to experience the blessings of God by giving? You know, for me... Uh, one story I'll tell real quick of how I experienced this in a very real way was a number of years ago um, when we were moving here to Delano, I, uh, we were looking for a house. It took us a little bit of time, and we found a place which ultimately ended up being our house, and it was a little higher than we wanted to spend, and, and it, was, it was, you know, starting to feel uncomfortable like that that mortgage payment, and um, there were some things with the house that weren't, weren't great, um, like the patio door going out to the deck. The deck was, like, dangerous. Like, I, I wouldn't even put a dog on that deck because I thought I was going to fall over, like, um, much less a human, but then the patio door was rotted, and it was, it was real nasty, and so I, we had asked, like, hey, would you guys pay to do this, and no, no, we're not going to do that. We're not dropping the price. It's like, okay. And so we were feeling like, we got to get a house. We got to move to Delano. Like, this is where we're going to be now. This is where God's calling us, but we don't know, and we don't want to, like, overreach. And, and so there was a lot of tension and anxiety around that in the financials. And I was at Woodridge working, and um, actually probably not working because I was looking on Facebook. Um, <laughs> I was on Facebook and I saw a post from someone in the church about a need 
And um, I just felt like there was something in my heart. Uh, it's just like, we're, we're supposed to respond to that. And then instantly, the pushback. I don't know if you've had this. We need a, every, every extra dollar right now. We need every cent. Here's the, you know, an opportunity, but ah, someone else will do it. See, that's, that's the other thing we, all, we buy into. Someone else will give. Someone else will write a check. Someone else will help meet these people's needs. And as I was sort of battling in my mind, my phone rang and it was my wife. And she said, did you see that by chance? I said, I'm looking at it right now. And I knew in my head a number that we were, like, when, when the whole thing was happening, there was a number in my head. I said, oh, God, please, no. <laughs> like, I, I started to enter negotiations. You've probably heard me say this before. You start to enter negotiations with God. I did this with um, the same thing when, I, when we were praying about the adoption goal, and it was like 50, and I go, oh, no, let's do 15. Like, that's, every life matters, God. And then he's, no, we're going to do 50. But you start to negotiate and try to draw God down, which doesn't work. And so I, you know, my wife said, you see, I feel like we're supposed to do something. Yeah. And I go, do you have a number? And she goes, yeah. And she said the number, and it was the number in my head. And then I knew, okay, we're doing this. But here's the space where we're invited to be a part of what God is doing and be a blessing to others. But it's also space to trust. And go, okay, God, like, you know, you brought us to Delano. We feel like you've called us to this church, formerly known as Crow River and Woodridge Delano. Um, and you, I'm just going to bank that you don't change, and you're going to have to provide for us. But we're going to cut this check. And so we did. And I am not kidding you. Less than one hour later, we got a call from our realtor, and they said, um, the buyers, or the sellers, uh, their realtor reached out to me and said they wanted to put a certain amount toward that rotting uh, patio door. And I was like, really? Without us asking. And I said, how much? And it was the exact amount that we had given to help that family. And I got up and I went outside and I just, I remember walking and I, uh, I said, God, I, I'm so sorry that I ever doubt that you love me and that you're, like, you're serious about taking care of me. And I don't say that to say you give to, to get, but God said it. <laughs> you give and he'll bless you. So I got the, it wasn't the blessing of getting the amount toward the patio door. The blessing, yes, that is part of it. But the blessing too was being able to step in to a family in our church in need and saying, here, we want to help. And God just doesn't, he doesn't mess around with his promises. But it requires trust. And so I leave you with this, this question. I mean, do you trust God with your money? 
And the answer, great, I love that you said yes. But if you're going to say yes, do your actions reflect that answer? It's not about you saying yes. It, it is about your actions. It's about my actions. I can get up here and I can preach and say this and that, but if I'm not living it, then I'm just, I'm a hypocrite and I do not believe what the Bible says then. But here is a text where God's saying, look, I love you guys so much. And I, I, I wish you would see money can't give you happiness. And, 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 and new stuff and, and fun stuff, yeah, it feels good for a while, but it'll never bring the eternal joy that, that you were created to have that can only be given through me. And I love you so much. If you just look, I don't want to, I just, I want better for you. And if you would turn to me and you would trust me with your money, I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to bless you and I am going to show up. So often, like, I'll, as a pastor, I'm sitting with people and I've started doing this in the last few years and it was gutsy and I felt really gross about it for a while. But then I was like, oh, this is like real. People would be talking to me like, I'm so like struggling with my relationship with God and I just, he feels distant, da, da, da. And I go, How's your, are you giving any of your money away? And almost every time it's zero, no. And I go, maybe that's, maybe you, it's not about God being distanced from you, but you've distanced yourself from God because money is your God, not God. Start trusting him. Take a step of trust with your money and maybe, in fact, the Bible promises God will show up. So, do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God is going to provide for you? And do you believe that God wants to bless you? Yes, he does. Then, then step out in faith and trust with what you have. Open your hands so he can open his. Because he does love you. And he gave everything for you, including his son. And Jesus gave his blood for you. Because he wants you to experience joy and peace and love. Let's stand together. We, um, we're going to take communion. And this is part of the expression of the generosity of God. That Jesus, the son of God, would give up his life, pay our penalty for our sin. And so if you open up, we'll take the wafer and we remember what Jesus said with his disciples that the bread represented his body that was given for us. And then he took wine and he said this, this represents my blood of the new covenant that no longer will sin keep you from my presence, but that the shedding of my blood has made a way for us to be together forever. Lord, I, I pray against shame. I pray against um, lies. 
that keep us um, from having these conversations. And I just pray, Lord, that um, we would leave here with hope in our hearts, knowing that you have promised to love us, to never change, to provide for us, and to bless us. But I pray, God, that we would be willing to take the most valuable resource that we, many of us have, or look at as the most valuable resource in our life and say, I, am, I will trust you, God, with it. And I'll take you up on your offer. Because I want to see you show up. I want to see you provide. I want to experience your blessings, however they may come. But I want you, God. Help me make you the Lord of my life, not money. Help me make you the hope of my life, not stuff. Help me make you the security, my forever security, not my, my investments in bank accounts. And help me live generously so that what? What did it say? So that other nations would see that, you are, that we are blessed and that we serve a God who loves us, provides for us, and cares for us, and blesses us. And boy, through our generosity, eyes, God, we pray that eyes would be open to you, Jesus. We pray it all in your great name. Amen. Lay down your soul. 